0: This is The Hash Podcast.
1: Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there and welcome to Coindesk TV. It is consensus week y'all i am here in austin texas in the registration room which is about to be crazy in the next few days so get here get your pass have fun a lot of good conversations to be had we'll hear more about that later on in this show but i'm zach that's wendy we got jen and we got will we're gonna get to the day's news starting with jen take it away
0: All right. A federal court in California has found that Bored Ape Yacht Club ripoff NFTs violated Yuga Labs copyright. So Ryder Ricks and Jeremy Cahan are the two people behind the RR Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs, which feature primates that are posing similar to the Bored Ape Yacht Club primates. And they also use similar marketing materials. The two say their collection is satire and contains Easter eggs that speak to numerous stories surrounding the collection. Wendy, I'm going to pass this one off to you. What do you make of this win for Yugo Labs?
2: Okay, so I'm very excited that Yugo Labs did win. I'm going to keep this as calm as possible because I was actually in a space when a lot of this stuff was happening and I kind of went off on these people um, about their reason why they were doing this. And it was just kind of an embarrassment too. A lot of different things. Um, but I'm glad that they won. I think that some of the things that we do see happen on crypto Twitter or NFT Twitter and just like a lot of the discourse we have, a lot of it is clout chasing. And we saw a lot of on crypto Twitter happen over the weekend. I think it's just kind of silly at this point. And I'm glad that this that Yuga Labs did stand up, did take them to court. I'm not a really big advocate for like tattling and doing those types of things. But at the same time, if you're running a company in a business and somebody's trying to um, do things that are ridiculous and kind of slander you, there is like kind of a fine line with that. So I think that this is an important win for the future moving forward, especially into the NFT space, because these profile pictures are supposed to, the 10,000 generative collections and others that are similar, they're supposed to give the holders different types of opportunities and rights like the IP rights and the licensing where they can actually monetize that. And that's kind of why we decide to invest in some of these projects. So I'm glad that they won.
1: Alright, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one. This one is definitely a loss for like the permissionless nature of the crypto economy, right? This is the, like so far from code as law, so far from build on these open networks that it's laughable, right? This is about IP ruling in court and the fact that some of the big, biggest brands of Web3 are turning to this as their recourse sort of suggests that some of these bigger ideas that animate the crypto space are not at play here. So I'm just going devil's advocate style. I don't know if that's necessarily um, is bad that this IP being protected this way, but I think it is really, really far from the original ethos We're all to ready thing. to fight you, I Zach. Yeah, I, we're I, everyone on. wants
2: it. No, I'm with Zach. Zach. Zach, Zach, it is on
1: me and I'm Jen. It is, it is I mean, on site and consensus. It is I'm know, both I know Will. I know Will. My, I'm tossing to Will. His hand was up first.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Zach. A nice little tag team here. Okay, first of all, we have to disclose that Wendy is a bag holder in this situation. So of course, she's going to side with Team Yuga Labs, which is stamping down on the satirists out there. Satire laws are a thing for a reason. We should protect humor at all costs. You have the ability to make these things. You have the ability to right-click save and print it back on chain. That is okay. The whole point of an NFT is the fact that I have a hash that points back to the original artwork and that is what's supposed to hold its value. Not the law system, not these courts that they go to. And it's just sort of laughable that Yugo Labs goes and slaps someone else out there who's just a creator, you know? They're a creator just like the Yugo Labs people are creators. You just don't like what they're doing. This might be a derivative of your content. It might be making fun of it. You might not like the reasons for it, but you should have the ability uh-huh. to do it and Yugo Labs shouldn't be going after them. Uh-huh. Zach, I don't know. We can't go much harder than that though because you know, we might uh-huh. end up in a lawsuit if we say stuff too much. And you know, uh-huh. Wendy might even be on the other side of that lawsuit taking
1: us down. Yeah, represented by not that Represented be great? by Jen. Yeah, Wendy versus
0: Will and Zach in court. Okay, we, need some, I wanna we, need, just,
1: we need some boys in our corner.
0: I want to say, Will, you can't be out there tricking people. And if this is satire, show me well, how check it's the satire. Chain. It's check the chain. similar. Yeah, I know. But if they're out there like representing themselves as the Board Ape Yacht Club and people are spending their hard-earned the money on it. What's the recourse we should take? Like, this law exists in the real world. There are trademarks. You wouldn't be saying the same thing if someone went out and made like a fake pair of Nike shoes. And so I just don't think that that argument is warranted here. I think if it was actually satire, then that's great. But I think that there's a stretch here in saying that this collection is satire. And Wendy, before I kick it off to you to just give us the home run in our argument. I, w- I want to say that the judge disagreed with Rips and caught him. So they said that because NFTs aren't tangible, they aren't protected under the acts that protect and govern trademarks. The judge said that NFTs as virtual goods still qualify as goods under the Lanham Act due to their unique, traceable, and brand associated characteristics. Wendy, take us home.
2: I'm going to actually leave it with your statement, Jen. You are my legal counselor in this particular situation. I will send you one ape coin to retain you. And yeah, there is a lot of other sensitive things. I don't know if this is family friendly to talk about in consideration with this lawsuit that happened, a lot of slander that did go on towards the Yuga with this particular lawsuit and things that were said on the internet. I don't want to go into that, but I want to talk about this story because it is from the Sunday Mail report. I think it's a good feel good story. It's a good way that we can segue. So Zimbabwe to introduce gold back digital currency. Okay. So the reserve bank is bound by plans to introduce a gold backed digital currency as legal tender to help stabilize the local currency, Zim dollar. We know in some of these areas, there's a lot of volatility with their native currencies and it could be very hard on the people that live there. It's hard to purchase things when number goes up and number goes down and there's a lot of volatility. We see this in crypto and we still see this with Bitcoin. Anyways, the tokens will be a form of electronic money. I like that they said electronic money. Interesting. Backed by the country's gold reserves, which will be held by the central bank, bank wants people holding Zim dollars to be able to exchange their money for gold-backed tokens to help them hedge against volatility of the local (laughs) currency. And last year, one U.S. dollar was worth about 150 Zim. Now it's worth about 1,000. I'm going to give this over to Mr. Will.
3: Wow, throwing it over to me. I didn't think you'd do that after I just slandered the, the last report, apparently. It's an interesting story. I think mainly because of Zimbabwe's uh, importance within cryptocurrency and its importance within like the history of inflation. It's pretty common to see sort of like a, a picture of. Uh, Zimbabwe's money floating around crypto Twitter years ago. They went through an episode of hyperinflation, and that sort of set the tone for a lot of people. Be like, hey, this is like a, still something that happens in history. Like this is still something that occurs for for nominal people on the edge of markets. A hyperinflation can't occur, and that's why we need Bitcoin. That's why we need alternative currencies. And the fact that they're still building those things out is impressive. I think this also leads into the CBDC front, right? We're seeing a lot of different countries pushing into that. And it's not just like these G20 or these G7 countries. There's a lot of countries out there that are smaller that are looking into this as well, because it does sort of make sense to be able to control your currency. And oftentimes, these smaller countries that are pushed around by the dollar, they're pushed around by bigger currencies. They're actually the ones who are going to be interested in CBDC first and foremost, because they want to have more granular control over their local currency. Channel 3, over to you.
0: Yeah. So, okay. When I lived in South Africa, I spoke to a lot of people who lived there who are from Zimbabwe. And there's just like this real lack of trust in the government and fiscal policy there, right? And in Zimbabwe, they've kind of gone back and forth between the US dollar and the Zimbabwean dollar. And I believe I read in the Wall Street Journal earlier this year that it's so bad there that even like business owners are creating their own money. They're like writing down currencies on paper that their customers can then use in exchange for goods at a later date. Given all of this information and, and the history in Zimbabwe, will like I'm a little bit skeptical about this. Like, Should Zimbabweans be putting their trust in the central banks? Like, maybe I'm missing a piece of the story here.
3: Yeah. I mean, a lot of these countries have failed time and time again with central banks. In the US, like, you'd say that arguably the Fed is probably failing right now, or at least failing at its mandate with inflation being so high. So it's always sort of like a scale, right? How do you see central banks doing their job or not doing their job? And as crypto advocates, you know, as four shills on the show, if you can, for, for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general, then we'd say that we're against central banks so we don't trust them. And that's why the CBDC conversation is so interesting, right? Because it's uh, the intersection of two things. One, we like cryptocurrency and one, we don't like central banks. And maybe it's some sort of like magic money that really ties everything together and allows consumers to have like a more frictionless payment system and allows banks and central banks to actually impose economic moves that strengthens the economy. I don't personally agree with that. And I think that you'll see some of these CBDC schemes come out that don't really fulfill what their mandate is supposed to be. They're just going to be a different implementation of the same policies that have time and time again failed. Zach, over to you.
1: Yeah, just zooming out. I mean, I think you know the future of money is very sort of contested right now. And you see all these varying experiments with it, whether it's these gold-backed digital dollars, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's CBDC, that are just fiat digitally. I think the future of money conversation just is really fascinating, right? Money is like such an important part of our daily lives in terms of transacting value, like growing value, growing wealth. Like the fact that these questions still persist into this century are really fascinating, right? These are open questions that places like, honestly, consensus are looking to figure out what's next. We have these different competing visions, right? You have CBDCs, you have these you know, private cryptocurrencies that exist transnationally, and then you have these countries rolling out some digital alternatives. This one, a bit different with the gold-backed aspect, uh, but certainly certainly par for the course uh, as it relates to this growing CBDC conversation that we've been seeing going on in China and in other countries around the world. So, yeah, it, it makes me like excited to see stories like this, because, again, the future of money is very much up in the air, and I think we're seeing various experiments about what might work for countries around the world. Um, Wendy, I saw your hand. I'm going to
2: I just think this is a really interesting way to compromise. A lot of people think that it's Bitcoin or nothing or cryptocurrency or nothing. But at the end of the day, just because we like these particular technologies and we think that they can improve our quality of life, we still have to convince the people in charge. I mean, and I know that crypto is supposed to be decentralized and we're supposed to kind of do what we want to do, but that's not really the way the world works in the type of environment we're in. So it's going to be a very interesting compromise I feel like with a lot of different places and their governments to kind of see what happens so I feel like this may be a step in the right direction because with anything like with blockchain technology you can track the gold you can actually make sure that we have x amount um, that's backing this currency so I feel like it might be a little bit more of a transparent way to do so but again I still don't like this idea of a CBDC but at the end of the day what can we do
3: gotta say yeah interesting story do you like that one did
1: you like that one one? I just like the the, the tasteful push for consensus there it was good yeah it was a good one you made me excited for consensus the vibe the mm -hmm. vibe here is immaculate like I'm just I'm just ready to rock
2: are they gonna be be putting up a wrestling ring for us or like so we can like you know from the earlier story we have a full stage guys we have a full
1: stage and an hour the shows are an hour we can do all sorts of crazy stuff get ready get ready
3: Okay, let's go back over to Do Doquan Watch. According to documents released on Friday, Do Doquan in his civil suit is alleging that the SEC does not have jurisdiction over him and his case, saying that UST, the stablecoin that collapsed in May of 2022, is actually not a security, and so the SEC does not have the ability to interject into the whole conversation. He is seeking it, and the council is seeking that the entire case be dismissed. Zach, I want to throw this one over to you. We haven't had a Doquan update in a little bit since he was arrested in Montenegro for falsified passports.
1: This is a good fight to fight, but DoQuan is not the right person to fight this fight. Right? I think SEC has sort of uh, seemingly, by, by default, been able to assert that it has jurisdiction over anyone around the world as long as any of their products touched at least one U.S. consumer. Now, should that be the case? Maybe not. Is DoQuan the person to argue this case? Definitely not. And so I think that um, until someone else is pressing this uh, argument in court, uh, this one is unlikely to succeed. Right? But this is what lawyers do. Right? They say, Hey. Let's uh, let's, you know, submit our at least our statement that we want these things to be removed. He's got plenty of other problems to deal with. So this could be sort of the least of his worries. But the fact that the SEC has sort of asserted its uh, ability to rein in any actor the world over, as long as they touch U.S. consumers in some way, shape or form, as we've seen in some of these statements, some of these complaints, you know, that 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 should be contested, I think. But uh, this is not this is not the guy to do it. Jen, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that you're completely right. If any project has at least one U.S. customer who has lost money or has suffered because of your product, the SEC is going to swoop in and say, you know what, we're here to protect consumers and U.S. consumers are not in a good place because of your product. I think that Doquan is definitely not the person who should be fighting this. I don't think he should be the poster boy for this conversation. I don't think this is going to go very far. I think this is similar to, you know, if SBF were to come out and try to fight the good fight for crypto, your name has already been disgraced. We don't need you leading this conversation. But I think that given Do Kwon's situation, he's going to try. And, and take any win he can. Wendy?
2: I actually think that this is very interesting. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Again, I don't think Do Kwan did good things. I think he's kind of a bad actor. But at the same time, when you're talking about the law, and I kind of want to push this back to Jen, the law has different like certain stipulations they have to go by. And just because you're a POS, and you're not a good person, you made <laughs> bad decisions. You, you know, American law is written in a particular way to protect people. And I do think because the SEC hasn't been able to give clear guidelines as what is the security and what isn't, they kind of just throwing a dart at this point. This might be a good argument for him, even though he is a bad actor. But Jen, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Maybe I don't know. That was just the thought that came to my mind.
0: I don't know enough to get into the inner workings of this. I think that unfortunately, we see people be made an example of in the law. And at the end of the day, a lot of the decisions come down to one person's interpretation of what goes on, right? And we have to really rely on the evidence. I think the evidence against Do Quan is just bad. Like I can just see him being made an example of, I don't know if he's the right person to lead this fight. I think it might be worse for the industry than better. I think that's where I'm going to leave it. Will, what do you think?
3: Yeah, it's an interesting case because we have all been looking for this clarity from the SEC on what is security and what is not. But the SEC is just going by the enforcement action that was pictured very clearly last week, right? With uh, Gary Gensler going to Capitol Hill and testifying from the House Financial Committee there <laughs> and kind of getting like bullied on stage in front of like a lot of other Congresspeople, people. And there was still like no clarity at the end of the day on it. This case in particular is tough because of Doquan, just for the same reasons that Wendy and Jen, you just articulated That being said, I mean, could kind of drag things out a little bit more. I don't see him winning because I think the SEC will just be able to claim that someone was injured somewhere and they're going to have jurisdiction, but it could drag it out just a little bit longer.
1: Zach, up to you. The SEC is emboldened. It's like hunting season for the SEC, right? You had what was arguably something that had been in the works for a long time with sort of Gary Gensler's uh, stated views on the cryptocurrency sector. And then you had like gas tossed onto that fire with the implosion of FTX. And now... The SEC is really on the warpath. And a lot of crypto firms are worried about their future here in the U.S. because it seems as though that that definition of what's a security, what can be traded, what can be listed is getting pretty thin. And so a lot of people are worried, I think, in the regulatory conversation about what's next, what's the next shoe to drop. And, um, yeah, it's certainly a conversation to, to look out for. But, yeah, Doquan, you know, one of, those, one of those figures in the last uh, eight or ten months that has really put a black eye in the crypto space. That is for sure. Wendy, any last thoughts on this one before we change gear?
2: You know what? I don't. I'm just tired of the SEC. I'm tired of hearing about Gary Gensler. I just want somebody new, young and fresh to come in.
0: That's all. Wendy, we're not going to get the new person. Yeah, need going to get off of that train. Come on, let's <laughs> not. You and me, we
2: don't need to beef. Okay, we gotta, we gotta unite. All right,
1: that's it for the show today. I'm wrapping it. Good work, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm Zach. That's Wendy. Will. We're The Hash. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.